down literally from the mountaintops, from 12,000 feet above sea level in Juan Cayo, Peru. He has come down from the mountaintops. I see a little bit of glow on him, a la Moses. Here he comes, everybody, our favorite from YWAM, from Peru, from Juan Cayo, Rick Vanetta. I can't operate from such a high position. Oh, this is Jay's glory juice. That man lives on Mountain Dew. All right. Boy, it's really quiet in here. Hey, so it's really good to be back. Uh, I had a great time uh, in Peru. Uh, it was, uh, it's been a long time uh, since I've traveled uh, with uh, Team Extreme, so I thought I would just kind of uh, take you through the trip, uh, show you a few pictures. I know our projectors are not the best, uh, but I have a lot of stuff on Facebook too. Uh, I also have things on Facebook uh, that I wasn't going to show here this morning, uh, like some of the interesting food uh, that I got to eat in Peru. Uh, some people were very challenged by that, uh, but I quite enjoyed it uh, and stuff like that. We got to eat guinea pig and uh, some different uh, delicious uh, God's creatures uh, that he's given the Peruvian people uh, to live on and to enjoy. So that was really good. But actually, let me show you how the outreach uh, started. Uh, when I left Columbus, uh, my first destination was actually Dallas. And I've never had uh, one of these shirts before. But it was a great honor to wear a Cleveland Browns jersey, uh, shirt in the Dallas airport. My son bought that for me and asked me if I'd wear that. So I was getting some stares. That's me staring back at a guy uh, giving me a look for wearing a Cleveland Browns uh, uh, shirt in the airport. And then the, right where I was getting ready to get on the plane, the guy asked me if I'd purchase a Dallas uh, shirt from the Emmett shop. Uh, but I told him I wasn't going to be doing that. So, uh, you know, that's how we started things off. So, all across uh, Peru, uh, we were doing uh, outreaches, but I'm just going to be telling you uh, some of the things from the town uh, that I was in. We were in 10 uh, places all across uh, Peru, uh, but we were in uh, Huancayo. And uh, Huancayo is about uh, ten to 11,000 feet, depending on... Uh, where you were uh, up in the mountains. And as soon as I got there, I realized, man, this place is not easy to breathe. You know, like the whole time that I was on the trip, my heart rate here, because I watch it with my Apple Watch, is normally, you know, if I'm just walking somewhere around 85, but my heart rate stayed at like 115 to 120 the whole time I was there. Uh, Team members, uh, we had a few people pass out. We had people have to get oxygen and stuff like that. So it was very exciting to bring all these big guys, you know, and I'm one of the small ones, uh, bringing these guys there uh, to do what we're going to do uh, in Wankaya. We were moving uh, quite a bit slower. Uh, but anyways, so they had these uh, uh, banners up all over the place, and it says, Un Solo Peru. And that roughly translates to one Peru is what uh, the campaign was all about, is that we want to become 
uh, one Peru that's uh, looking to God, uh, that's serving God, that's becoming a Christian nation. Because we know just like any place that we go into, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Catholics in Peru. Uh, there's good Catholics, and then there's Cap- in the South American church, especially uh, within the Catholic church, there's also a lot of uh, black magic type stuff has entered into the church and stuff like that. So there's, you know, there's uh, faith-believing Catholics, but then there's also uh, people that have added extra stuff uh, to the gospel. Uh, So we wanted to bring the gospel forth. We're working with a lot of different churches and proclaim uh, Jesus Christ. So the first view, this is when I pulled into the town, and uh, you know you're in a foreign country when you can just... Uh, get in the elevator and go to the top of the hotel and there's no security telling you that you can't go through the doors and there's no alarms and so I just go up on the top of the building which is probably really smart when you're you know not breathing all that well because the higher I went like and uh, took this picture uh, but you can just see the mountains are just slowly going up Uh, that's actually a Catholic church uh, right there and just outside of our uh, hotel was a park where um, a lot of the, the one kind people got together and did like dances. Uh, they did everything from, I would, there was people doing yoga in the park, there was people doing cultural dances, there was young kids uh, doing dances. Just a place where a lot of people uh, were gathering. So some of us were just kind of, uh, you know, getting the, we went up there and we're kind of getting the lay of the land because they have a lot of outreaches planned for us, but also we're looking for places to go, looking where can we share with people uh, during some of our free time. So um, I actually arrived there first. God blessed me with a really good flight. I had uh, I only had three one-hour layovers, which just barely got me to my flights. And like Peru, I was running all over the airport trying to find my gate, and it happened that the gate was on the bottom floor. And uh, luckily, a police officer, police officer noticed this guy's running around the wrong way, and he helped me find uh, find the gate, and I was able to get on the plane. But then uh, later on that day, I started to meet up with uh, some of my teammates, and uh, when we were in Huancayo, uh, we had... Uh, Let's see, we had nine teams uh, that we were going out to do uh, missions work with, but six of them were Team Extreme teams. So then we had three other teams that were uh, just doing dramas and stuff like that. So the cool thing was is it's been, oh, I think 2005, this thing keeps coming off. I think it was 2005 was the last time that I did an outreach uh, with Team Extreme. So... Uh, the guy in the white shirt next to me, if you can see me there, that's Tua, and he has been on the team since I was on the team. He's about 55 years old. They call him the chief. Uh, he's a Samoan. He is actually a Samoan chief, and if you don't believe him, he's got the, the, uh, the chief tattoo, if you guys have ever watched Hawaii Five-0 or something like that. So he's got a tattoo that goes from here all the way down to his knees that you can only get uh, if you are a chief. I mean, you could pay someone to get it, but someone would know that it's not the real thing. And then 
I also got to meet up with uh, the two guys on the end. They're from Tonga. And uh, the one guy, he's actually a Tongan living in France. And the other guy is a Tongan living uh, in uh, Canada. Tonga is one of those nations like New Zealand. There's more people, like there's more Maori people in Australia than there are in New Zealand. And Tonga has become one of those places that there's more Tongans living in other nations uh, than their own nation now. So it was good to meet up with, with these guys. And the cool thing was, is like, this is 10 minutes after meeting everyone. It was just like, it's like I never left the team um, because, you know, we're coming in there to do a work and everyone's humble. No one's about themselves. And we were able to, I think, already uh, starting to look like a team. Uh, but I will point out uh, that guy in the burgundy shirt and the kid in the, uh, the gray shirt, they were very afraid of all the food that we ate, so they didn't come around it. As it, I, I can't think of the Spanish word that the lady called them when they ran away from the table. So, uh, the first day uh, that we're there to do ministry was Sunday. Uh, we got to go out to churches. And the team that I was on, uh, we went to this church uh, about 15, 20 minutes uh, from the hotel. And the pastor's like, I want you guys to just go for it. And that's the best thing that he could say because then we just, we just totally went for it. And we just listened to God and we just gave him whatever, you know, whatever we thought. And... Uh, the cool thing that I recognized when we were in uh, Peru is, as you guys know, Brazil is a really big part of South America. Well, Brazil has a lot of missionaries all throughout South America. And this pastor, if you can see, there's a lot of soccer games going on in Peru right now. If you look at his shirt, he's actually wearing the... Uh, Brazilian soccer jersey uh, under his shirt because there was a match later that day uh, between Peru and uh, Brazil. But it was cool to see uh, these missionaries also planting churches uh, in Peru. So we spoke in his church. Um, we we're encouraging them uh, for the outreaches that were coming up this week. <coughs> Excuse me. Still getting that off. Um, but Tua had a great message. And then God just uh, laid on my heart uh, to get up and um, speak and to begin to pray for people. And so I began to pray for people. And then one of the things that I feel that God just uh, dropped on my heart was that there's people here that are wrestling with fear today. We're getting ready to do all these outreaches and you're wrestling with fear. And so I just began to, we began to pray for the church uh, that they wouldn't have fear and that they would be able to go out and uh, proclaim the gospel in their workplaces and around the town. Because the cool thing, the, the really cool thing about this outreach that I haven't seen before when we've done outreaches in other countries is this really was 50% of the people were from South America. It was so awesome to see so many local missionaries coming alongside of us because a lot of places that we go um, we're coming in as the majority and we're leaving behind you know 10 percent of the population and pastors to try and disciple all these people well we had we had people working with us 
every one of us could have a translator. Every one of us uh, could speak with people. We could get them speaking, and it was really a team effort that when we, when we were getting ready to leave there that we felt like, wow, we're really leaving this with people that are ready to uh, disciple um, the nations. So if you've ever been uh, to another country um, or even here too, um, after you speak at a church, man, the pastor just really wanted to bless us uh, with a meal. And so when you're in a culture, we had to be somewhere at 2 o'clock and he's saying, hey, I want to take you two hours away to get fresh fish out of the, up in the mountains, which I'm already having a hard time breathing. But we're going to drive two hours up in the mountains so that we can go to um, a salmon farm where they have all these different uh, rivers blocked off differently uh, so that as they grow up and get bigger, they can go into the different streams. And so, of course, we did that. And uh, so we went up there, and you can see this is one of the streams uh, where there's fish down in that water. This is where the bigger fish were. And then uh, this is where we sat at tables uh, to eat the fish. And then um, here are the tables. We're sitting there uh, eating and uh, just enjoying this food uh, with this family. And, you know, I don't know how much uh, this pastor makes there, but he took, you know, a whole team of us uh, out to eat, just uh, believing that, you know, God would give them the provisions uh, to pay for this uh, food for us, uh, take us out, bless us, welcome us uh, to his nation. And to me, like a lot of people were asking, what, what sites are you going to see uh, while you're in Peru? Where are you going these are the cool things that I get to see when you travel in missions versus just traveling to a tourist area. We get to eat with the locals. We get to eat uh, the best food that, that they have to offer, and it's something I really enjoy. And then um, that's the, that uh, cola there is like Inca cola. I guess it's kind of like uh, the Peruvian version of Jay's Mountain Dew, something like that, but they really... They really like that there. So, uh, after that meal, we were late for a meeting. And I, I don't have a good picture of this meeting, but we were having a sending meeting where all 10 locations across Peru were watching a video camera, and it was simulcast and everything like that. And we were having training for all the events that we were going to be doing that year. Well, and then they invited the Peruvian people, because they were doing all this in English, then they invited the Peruvian people uh, to come. Now, about a minute before I took this picture, that whole area was blank. Well, when they invited the Peruvian people to come, the room started filling up. People started going forward. The hallways were packed in this hallway, and they actually had so many of the Peruvian members show up. We just didn't have a big enough space to meet that um, they were kind of translating out the door <laughs> and kind of onto the street to people uh, to welcome uh, the Peruvian uh, team members that would be going out with us because they were staying at another uh, location. But this is when I really started to uh, catch the vision for this outreach that, wow, Team Extreme isn't just here in Huancayo to do Team Extreme. 
Team Extreme is here to do Team Extreme, but to join up with the city, to really join up with the city. And we've done this a lot across America and different stuff. We've joined up with a lot of churches, but this just felt so different because these people were hungry. They were coming ready um, to share the word. And many times, instead of, I had a few times where I was supposed to speak, and I was just like, why am I speaking when I have a Peruvian person right here that I can see is just on fire? You're not going to have to translate. And I would just grab them and say, do the message. And they did the message, and it was, and it was spot on. So, um, as I said, we were, uh, we were uh, high up in the mountains, and uh, one of the things that happened is I really had no idea what my role was going to be on Team Extreme. When I was with Team Extreme before, I was one of the leaders. I did uh, a bunch of stuff. You know, I was in charge. I was just going to serve. Well, Kevin Stark, our main leader, was there all week to do TV and radio interviews, uh, to meet with uh, the government, to meet with the military. Well... He got up that morning, was in the shower, and passed out, okay? Got sick, and a few minutes before, I actually made a video on Instagram. I was just like, hey, guys, be praying for us. You know, we're getting ready to go out and do school assemblies. Uh, God's preparing us for the day, but people are getting sick up here. It's hard to breathe, blah, blah, blah. And then I put that tape down. Someone comes and grabs me, and they're like, hey, you need to go change you're going to go do Kevin's uh, circuit today. And I'm like, oh, okay. So um, before you know it, I'm out doing TV shows all day. I haven't done that forever. And as you can see, it's green screen there. Um, but I ended up going out and doing uh, four TV shows and four radio stations. Um, I got to meet uh, the mayor and then I met, uh, I don't know what he was, general or captain or whatever of the military, um, because we went to the parade grounds. And so I, I just, it was a real honor to, that Kevin said, chose me to go and to meet all these people. And it was really cool, because I, I didn't know what to expect. But God just used me that day to have all these uh, interviews. And some of them were crazy, like I, I told a couple of the guys, the first interview that I went to, like, if you know me, I'm not super political. I, I know as much about politics as I need to know. And uh, AG pointed something out to me that I didn't even catch, of course. But uh, when I get on the radio show, the guy goes, so tell me about Trump. And I, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> the, the guy goes, so tell me about the Venezuelan people and what you think of them. And I go, well, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to uh, serve God. I'm here to preach the gospel. We're here to uh, feed and uh, take care of the sick. And he just kept asking and kept asking uh, these questions. And, uh, you know, I, I just said, at one point I said to him, I was like, you know, I, I've only been here a couple of days. I wouldn't even know the difference between a Venezuelan person and a Peruvian uh, person most likely. Because all throughout the region, they look very different, you know. Now, once I was in Huancayo for a week, I think there's some of the people that I could tell you who they were because a lot of them <laughs> were 
We had some really small ladies wearing the custom garb, you know, walking around and stuff like that, kind of the hill people and stuff like that. But it was just, it was crazy. So that I'm going, oh, great. This is going to be a fun day trying to answer all this, uh, all this kind of stuff. But we, we just kept going back to that we're here for the gospel. And I was like, we'll take care of anyone uh, that comes to the parade grounds, anyone that comes to medical tents. Uh, we're here to serve uh, God's people. And so we moved on and uh, went to some of the various um, different uh, TV shows. But those were a lot of fun. Um, doing that, and uh, you can see here I'm meeting um, one of the, the mayors, and then this guy standing next to me, he's the, the guy that's in charge of uh, the military uh, in this area. Uh, something kind of interesting about the area that we were, and I don't know how I feel about this after I think about this, but the local government did not want us in this stadium. They didn't want us to perform at this stadium. But the, the government over Peru had opened up all these areas for us to come and do the gospel. Well, the reason the military was there is they actually came in and took over the parade ground, took over the stadium and said they will hold this event there. So the military's inside the stadium and the police officers are outside the stadium. And at first, I didn't even think about that, but really, you know, they took it by force so that we could, you know, uh, share the gospel uh, in that town and so that people could get um, medical help and stuff like that. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, one of the TV shows I invited... Uh, one of the guys to go with us. I don't know if you can see it there, but there's that guy spending the basketball right there. Um, he's actually a part, if anyone here ever watches America's Got Talent, uh, his family was on that show. Um, they did one of the, they do an amazing basketball show where they spend basketballs and ride unicycles and everything. And uh, so they were actually on that show, but they hold all kinds of Guinness Book uh, world records and this is all their family has ever done is they ride unicycles, um, spend basketballs, and share the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ, uh, uh, basically spending balls. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, but then we were just uh, kind of acting up here a little bit because I said, if I'm going to be at a news desk, I need a piece of paper. So that's me in the picture doing that before, which you can't really see that. Um, interview. So then uh, the next day we start, the next five days we were at schools um, all day long. Um, each team was going to about three or four schools a day. Again, I said we had nine teams uh, going to schools. And so we would go into, some of them were private schools, some of them were uh, just local schools, some of them were Catholic schools. Actually, the Catholics gave us the hardest time about preaching the gospel in their schools than any of the other schools. So, um, and I, I'm nothing against them. I'm just throwing that out there. Those were the schools that didn't let us preach as much. Um, and sometimes the guys uh, bent the rules and then the principals were fine with it. Uh, but that, again, always blows my mind when we're in other countries and we're the land of the free and we can't do that 
But in some of these other nations, I mean, and when I say proclaim the gospel, we proclaim the gospel. We were asking for the empowering of the Holy Spirit, and we were praying for people for healings and everything. So um, there's some uh, boys there. Um, then the things that we do, hopefully this video loads here. Um, where's my mouse? I lost my mouse. There she is. It's slow-mo. So, we go into all these schools and we do these power feats, which a lot of times they can look very foolish and they're very funny. Like, even when I think about them, I'm like, I can't believe we're doing this. But we're able to, from doing those things, draw the kids in, give them an illustration, and, you know, present, like, right choices. Like, after that, after doing that, then I bent the steel bar and sometimes we put it in like a U-turn and we talk about, you know, kids, you know, being able to uh, find a new direction in their life or whatever the guy speaks about at that moment. And sometimes people come up with things on the top of their head. But we do all this because it draws them in. And, uh, you know, they're fascinated too because like, you know, we're bigger guys there. And I'm not a big guy here, but, you know, especially in Peru, a lot of us, so they're we're drawing them in, and then we're able to um, proclaim the gospel with them. So after that, we do that, and we would do altar calls, and we were constantly seeing uh, kids uh, receive Christ. We were uh, seeing kids wanting to come forward for prayer. Uh, this little girl right here, um, I didn't write down her name, uh, but she came forward and asked Tua, uh, to pray for her, and that's beside her as a translator, um, because she was really struggling with suicide. Um, Peru especially has a lot of violence uh, towards women. There's a, a, Women are put down a lot. Uh, there's a lot of sexual abuse uh, towards women. One of the other girls, uh, I don't have a photo of her here, but she was sexually abused, so we were uh, we had opportunities in these schools to really minister uh, to deep wounds. And we could take, I mean, sometimes we would take uh, a half an hour, 45 minutes praying for people uh, in school, you know, and the teachers would kind of change their schedules once they saw uh, what was going on. And so it was really cool that we had, what made it really cool is that because we had so many Peruvians with us, each one of us had the opportunity uh, to talk with people, you know, more one-on-one. -on -one. And a lot of that uh, is going to show that the Peruvian people are going to be able to carry this on uh, because they came and they were a part of our outreaches. Sometimes we would just meet people on the street. Uh, this lady was just one of the mothers sitting outside the school, and uh, Tua was able to uh, pray for her. Uh, Tua is... You know, he's a grandfather now, and there's a lot of people that, you know, as big as he is, 
He just has this welcoming spirit that people uh, will come up to him and allow him uh, to pray for them and to uh, receive ministry from. Uh, Angie here, uh, the girl with the wild hair, um, she has a very powerful story that she shared in a few schools. Uh, she was uh, sexually abused uh, as a young woman and as an adult in an abusive uh, relationship. And when she shared that, uh, when she shares that testimony, um, she's there, you know, a good hour praying with uh, people afterwards uh, because there's a, a lot of the girls that have experienced uh, similar things. And there's also guys that this sexual abuse happens, guys too, but a lot of these uh, that we were able to pray for were um, girls. Um, one day we had an outreach uh, that got canceled, and so we decided to go out on the street and we had to ask the police officers if we could do this outreach because they're all around um, the town and so they said yeah go ahead and uh, do this outreach so we did one of our team extreme outreaches we ripped some phone books some steel bars uh, and stuff like that. and then uh, I saw this guy over here in the blue shirt uh, selling empanadas you know and I'm like oh I'm hungry so <laughs> We walked over, and I just felt like I should buy all of his empanadas, which it wasn't much. I mean, maybe a dollar, you know, gets me like 60 souls. And so we bought all of his empanadas. And I said, hey, I want to buy all, all of your empanadas. Translator translated that, and I said, but I'd like to have some time with you and, and talk to you. So we bought all of his empanadas. We started to talk to him. Well, we found out that about 20 years ago, and you know, again, when I'm telling these things, th this is a story he tells me, and I don't need to question whether it's, you know, real or what it is, but it's his story. So his story was that he had been beaten up by police officers 20 years ago. I don't remember for what, but when you felt his arms, his bones and stuff, you could definitely uh, tell were never set. They were never set properly, and they were sticking up um, all over the place. Well, we started to pray for his arms. Well, this is God. So as we're praying for his arms, and he had said, you know, we have shoulder pain. I, I have all this shoulder pain where things are disconnected. I have this going on. And I said, okay, let's just start at the arms. Well, we started to pray for his arms. And he goes, as we kept questioning him and asking him things, he goes, well, my arms don't feel any better, but all the pain in my shoulders is gone, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, let's thank, let's thank God for that, you know? So we, uh, we didn't end up seeing other healing there, but we saw, you know, God uh, freed up his shoulders. And I took that as a victory because one of, the things that, one of the things that I wanted to do while I was in Peru or my list of things to do were... Uh, see people healed, see people saved, eat llama, and eat guinea pig, you know, have a good time. So I ate guinea pig, but then I got to check off seeing someone healed. And I thought that was so, so cool that, you know, right, because a lot of times I've been around, um, been around a lot of these things where people are getting healed, and it's like, all of a sudden, I'm looking at this guy, and he's not healed, and I turn, and I look this way, and then, boom, he's up. And he's healed, and I wanted to just be right there uh, when the healing was happening. So we continued on the week like that. Uh, we have, we're still 
getting all the testimonies together um, of uh, what happened in the schools. I don't have all the healings, but during that week of just going to schools, we saw 13,000 people make decisions for Christ, and that could be, yeah, and that's, and that's just, that's just in Wankayo, um, that's not all the other nations, um, so that could be, you know, like a rededication, that could be first time salvation, we don't have all, all that, um, but that was just really cool, and we still don't have all the different testimonies from how many people were healed, uh, through the different stuff, so then, because uh, we could be here all day, but I'm just moving through some of this, so then we get to the main event on Saturday, and there's a lot of other things that happen during the week. Uh, on the parade ground, we got to pray for the military, and that is what's so cool. So we prayed for the military, and one of the guys did an altar call for the military, but then he had to look at the general and get permission for them to raise their hands. And not everyone did, but he looked at the general, and, he, and the translator translated what he said, and the general's like, yeah. So then all of a sudden you see all these soldiers' hands go up and saying that they wanted to give their life to Christ. And that was very, that was very cool. We received the, uh, the key to the city, um, just all kinds of crazy things. We ministered uh, in churches. Um, one church that we ministered in, I had a mom uh, come up to me. And we, we have to love the heart of of our mothers, but sometimes, um, sometimes even mothers and fathers want something for their kid that is ready. The, this mom comes up to me and she's like, my son is having a really bad problem with porn and I want you to pray for him. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So I pulled the kid aside and I said, so you know what your mom told me, right? He goes, no, 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 I, I, no, no. I don't know. I go, buddy, I know you know what your mom told me, right? He goes, no, no, no. I said, well, let me tell you what your mom told me. He goes, okay. I figured maybe that's what she told you. And I said, and I just explained to him, I was like, look, you know what this is doing to your life, but until you're ready, your mom's desire for this to be on in your life isn't going to take this away until you're ready to get rid of it. I'm going to pray for you, but until you're ready, you know, not a whole lot's going to happen. Well, Another guy came along that maybe thought a little bit differently than me, and he wanted to kind of cast it out of him. So I gave him a moment to do that, but then, you know, I, my personal experience is really until, until we're not ready to let go of things, until we're not ready to have that out of our lives, it's not going anywhere. We still need our moms and our fathers to pray for us, and I was happy that she brought him to me, but... I couldn't just get it, you know, out of it without his um, permission. So there was a lot of cool, cool ministry going on. So then we move uh, to the final night uh, where we're getting ready uh, to perform uh, in the stadium. And this was something that I wasn't used to. With Team Extreme, everything that we did, we were pretty much the main show, Okay. Everything that we did, we were the main show. We set up a big show. Maybe sometimes, like, maybe someone went before us and would do something at one of these stadium events. And I hadn't even totally caught on to that at this night, we are really making this about the Peruvian people and leaving the Peruvian people and setting the Peruvian people up for 
presenting the gospel, discipleship, and all this stuff. And at first, in, inside, I was kind of bummed. I was like, wow, this is, I, I'm not used to this. I, I don't understand this. But then I started to meet some of these other teams. Like, there was this uh, dance team here, and you can see they're kind of in the authentic uh, clothing of their region. We had another uh, dance team here. And they had all these other teams coming uh, to do performances and to share their culture and to share the gospel uh, throughout the night. Um, Kevin was still there uh, to uh, preach the gospel, but Team Extreme went on first. And you know, Team Extreme going on first is kind of like uh, the first two worship songs at the B here. There's no one here, right? <laughs> you can ask any one of our worship leaders. There's normally no one here when they're doing their first couple songs, right? And then everyone comes. But when we did our performance, something changed because what was cool was then, then they said, we want you guys to go out into the stadium and, a be, and be a part of the audience. And at first, again, I was like, well, that's, you know, but it gets better. So... Uh, people start coming. Now, the other thing that made this outreach hard is, if you know, South America is very big in soccer. Peru had a soccer game going on during our event. So we waited until, right until Peru finished to have our event. Um, and I was inside, again, these are a few things I was getting a little bummed about. Our stadium, they were they were thinking our stadium, and I, and I don't know how they came up with these numbers, um, but I think they were thinking there was going to be about 50,000 people in our stadium. Our stadium only ended up having about 15,000 people for this event. And at first, again, I, I'm just sharing with you, I, I started to go, this is a real bummer. But then God just spoke to me and said, why is it a bummer? My people are out there. The people that want to receive are out there. The people that want to hear have come why you know why do do i need the stadium filled because it makes me feel good about that the stadium filled? you know because again it's about we're we're trying to set up the peruvian people so i said yes god you're right so we went out and you can see in this next picture this is me just in the crowd you know and we're just kind of spreading out you know preparing uh for the night and I want to try and put, pray, ugh, play this next one for you. But one of the things that I really liked is throughout the whole week, we kept proclaiming over um, the Peruvian people their identity. A lot of this movement was about who the Peruvian people were. And so we even started before Kevin preached, he started with this. <laughs> In the great 
I was having troubles with my Mac, and I know Mac people that have problems with their Mac. I couldn't get the uh, videos to load onto uh, our Mac here at the church. Um, but it was just really cool that this whole week was, we started to begin to see that, you know what, we're coming alongside a nation and preparing a nation to continue on the work of discipleship. Because we know that we can get them saved, but if we don't leave them in a place where that they can disciple others, this isn't this work will not continue on. If we don't set them up to continue the work, it'll fizzle out eventually. But we began to see the whole week with the pastors that we worked with, with all the Peruvian missionaries that were joining us, that were coming to train. We got to preach sometimes, that we had do different things with us, alongside of us. Uh, we even taught them how to do some TX stuff so that they could uh, be a part of our team. As we began to do that throughout the work, I mean, throughout the week, we were really uh, preparing to hand this over to them. And that night, at first, I thought, well, this is strange. But it just began to play out that, again, we're there to set them up. So we're out in the field and we're praying for people. And again, I, I just said, God, I want to pray for people and I want to see them healed. I'm tired of praying for someone and then walking on and then someone else comes and prays for them and they get healed you know just because I want to see it I know I know that sometimes I have to plant a seed and and that's all I have to do but I, I want to see it so um, we were having troubles at one of the gates and I tend to always find those areas where they weren't letting people in the stadium because they <laughs> again the next day they had a soccer match and they didn't want too many people on the field. They wanted people on the stands. But yet the Peruvian people were also saying, hey, you guys need to be careful. Make sure you're always going in twos. Well, all the TX guys are divided up. And I don't think I'm going to get in much trouble <laughs> in Peru. So I just head out to the, to the stands by myself and I'm talking to some people and I'm like, why aren't you letting this lady in to come and get prayer? And I said, you know what, forget it. I was done arguing with them about letting her get in. And I just said, I'm going to pray for you right here. And I, I had a translator, and we began to pray. She had had all, this, all kinds of stomach issues and ailments uh, that were going on. And we just began to pray. And right there, just a simple prayer. I mean, I just said, Jesus, in the strong name of Jesus, I just pray that this sickness would be gone. And boom, you could see the pain release. You could see her eyes change. She began to uh, just have excitement come over her. Like whenever we've experienced pain being gone, like this isn't, this wasn't people faking it. And it was just a simple prayer. Boom, she's healed. So we sent her up on stage. And then something that was really cool is there's, I want to show this clip here. I went over and I was standing with my friend and we're praying for a guy that has Parkinson's. And some people with that sickness uh, can walk, but he hasn't been able to walk for a long time. And they asked him several times if he would get out of his chair and uh, begin to walk. And again, we're just praying simple prayers. One, we're praying simply so that the translator can translate it. You know, so we're praying, you know, power, strength, 
healing, Lord, come right now, type stuff. And as we're praying that, this guy with Parkinson's gets healed, and I'll let you watch this video. I hope it plays. He couldn't walk. Uh, he, before he got to, to this place, he tried uh, and tried to, to walk, but he couldn't. But right now, he was walking. Sorry for the video problems there, but it was just so exciting to see that the level of faith that not only we had, but that the Peruvian people had. Because this is the thing that I know about me going on this mission trip, is that a lot of people paved the way. A lot of people paved the way for the things that I saw. And a lot of times, even, even as I think about that, that I'm like, God, I just want to see some of these things that I don't see. Well, there was a lot of people that prayed for Peru. There's a lot of people that probably spent hours, nights, weeks, months, years praying for Peru. And as an evangelist, I walk in and I just start praying for them in the last moment, a simple prayer, and they get healed. And a lot of that is because of what the people have gone and done uh, before us you know, and also that God just decided to show up uh, with his uh, mighty power. And so it's just really exciting uh, to see. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much, uh, so much that I could share. This, this family right here, um, their daughter is uh, two, I'm sorry, she's three years old, and uh, she had just finished up um, these were some miracles that took place before we got there. Uh, he's a pediatrician, um, and I forget his name, but her name is Carla. She's the one that provided me with all the guinea pigs, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, their daughter uh, had a, a cancer all riddled in her stomach, and uh, now she's uh, cancer-free. She did have surgery, um, but also God really... Uh, I forget what they were telling me, but the healing time and all that process was really uh, sped up, and that really even uh, renewed uh, their faith. Their daughter uh, is studying to be a pediatrician, but she also wants to be a missionary uh, and take that around the world. So I just wanted to end with, uh, with one thing. Uh, so today there was some, uh, I think, some pretty... Uh, if you guys can see a lot of the things that um, Team Extreme does when we go to do missions uh, can seem uh, very foolish and it can uh, seem very crazy. But it says in uh, 1 Corinthians one uh, twenty six, it says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose you, that God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who they think are wise. And he chose those things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world 
things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring nothing what the world considered important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And so we do foolish things, but we point back to God because he is the power. All those strength feats, all those things that we do to win people to Christ, they might look foolish, but then we give the glory back to God. And when we do that, then people are set free, people are healed, people are um, touched by God. And so I think my, uh, my challenge uh, to you again, and, and I've said this before, but I just really felt that that's what God left me with, is what in your life seems like the craziest thing to you, or what in your life do you think doesn't matter for much that God could use to share the gospel with people? What things are you involved in? What activities are you involved in? Where are you? What do you do? What do you like? You know, what may seem foolish and something that God doesn't care about, but that, but that if you can do it and look back to him and point God to him, I mean, point people to him, that you couldn't use that to proclaim the gospel. So why don't you just uh, take a moment and think about that. Let's go ahead and stand up. If you feel like you have uh, something um, that maybe you've never thought about that God might want to use uh, with you or through you or to spread the gospel, would you just uh, put your hands up? Put your hands up. And whatever that thing is, just hold on to it. Because I know that if God can use me to bend bars, try to rip phone books, as you guys did that one time, try to do silly things that God can use almost anything that you guys might want to do to spread the truth. So let me just uh, pray for you. Just keep, keep your hands up and keep that thing um, before God. Lord, I just pray right now, God, uh, for all the hands that are raised, God. Lord, you know each and every person here is in Lord, you know uh, their heart, you know their dreams, you know their desires, God. Lord, you know their talents, their gifts. And Lord, I just pray right now, in the strong name of Jesus, God, that you would show them how they can use that gift, that talent, that thing that you've given them how they can use it uh, for the gospel. Lord, whether it's a business, just uh, how you go about doing your business, how you go about doing your work. Lord, whatever it is, I pray that they just give it to you right now in Jesus and that you just use it mightily. Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, letting me uh, share about this trip. And I pray, God, that you just uh, give people dreams and visions. Lord, fill them with your power. Lord, we want a church of doers and not a church of sitters. God, we need people to, in order for the same things that we were seeing in Peru, we need the people of the body. We need to all be engaging, all doing our part, just simply doing what God is asking us.